3: Champion Sean King on VSIN PRIME TIME. Welcome back in to V-CIN PRIME TIME uh, here on v The Sports Betting Network, Russ Reynolds, Sean King here. As uh, we are uh, counting down the seconds here to the uh, Maui Jim Maui Invitational Championship. Creighton, as we left you for the break, they were down three. Arizona fouls with about three seconds left to go. So Creighton makes the first, Ryan Nemhard, and he had to go ahead and uh, try to miss the second. Arizona does get the rebound, and now the clock's just going to tick down because uh, Creighton, that's only their fourth foul committed in the half, so they don't have time here with .2 seconds. This game is absolutely over. So uh, if you had the Creighton Blue Jays, you had to come back from double digits, but you're going to get inside the number here. Arizona's going to get the win, 81-79. to
4: yeah, great clock management by Arizona at the end of the game. You see so many of these coaches that mismanage you know, mm-hmm. situational things in college basketball. Great job by the Arizona staff of understanding time, timeouts, yeah, and score.
3: Yeah, that was a miraculous cover if if you had the Creighton Blue Jays. It looked like Arizona was oh, going to run away in the with them. But, yeah. but look, even in defeat, I think uh, the people in Omaha should be very optimistic about Creighton. Uh, you know, it's always been like, the Villanova invitational in recent years in the big East, but they've got some players that they've lost some players coming back from injury, a new coach, Kyle Neptune, the former assistant takes over for Jay Wright, who's now going to be working TV for CBS. So, you know, there's the sense that the Big East is gettable, I, I think, and uh, certainly Creighton going to be a challenger for that title.
4: Yeah, shout out to the sharpest dressed coach in college basketball since Rick Patino. I like absolutely. I, you I know, can't wait to see his on camera. Uh,
3: yeah, thing. yeah, he had he had the nice thread count going uh, on those suits, but now with obviously when COVID happened, everybody went with the the warm ups and the practice gear. I don't know how I feel about that. Should we go back to the suits? No,
4: I think it's be who you are. Some yeah, guys are more you know jogging like, suit guys Some like guys like like guys.
3: mike woodson at indiana he is very much a suit guy sometimes he'll wear like a warm-up at home like when it's the coaches versus cancer deal but you know
4: and that's w- a lot of fabric mike yeah it's in a big dude. yeah
3: what looking sharp though man and uh, indiana looking sharp at least a little bit early 18 to 27 over arkansas little rock but uh Arkansas Little Rock beating up that Indiana front court. A couple guys have already had to go to the locker room with uh, some injuries here. So,
4: but you guys did win an NCAA championship with a guy in a sweatshirt on the sideline. We did the, the the red <laughs> sweater,
3: yeah, and, and also a plaid jacket yeah. by the way. In in 1981, when they took down the Tar Heels, we'll see if they can go ahead and do that next week. But anyway, 81-79, Arizona wins the Maui Invitational. Still a couple more games in Maui in the consolation bracket and then also in the battle for atlanta's usc 76 to 67 104 left to go uh, usc looking like they are going to win this game they'll take on the winner of butler tennessee i believe that is going to tip off at 4 30.
4: it is and uh college basketball is off and running a lot of great games and matchups going but tomorrow is about the national football league and we want to give you some strong opinions, hopefully help you make some money, cash some tickets. I know those turkeys that, That's are what expensive. it's all about from what yeah, I hear, Sean.
3: Absolutely. Word on the street.
4: So we have the Patriots, and this is why I think the Pro Bowl is the most ridiculous event of any professional sports. Some way, Mac Jones made the Pro Bowl last year. Like if me and him bump into each other at a, lo- a random bar, he gets to say he was a Pro Bowl quarterback. Get out of here. Mac Jones has four touchdowns and seven picks on you, yet somehow... The Patriots sit at six and four, traveling to a team in the Vikings who got to be licking their wounds. I mean, Dallas really put a beat down mm-hmm. on this Minnesota squad. They're two and a half point favorites. I've been reading, I've been asking, been getting a lot of incoming texts. A lot of people like the Patriots tomorrow. Where do you stand, Wes?
3: Yeah, I I did not take them in terms of the spread. I did tease them up. Uh, There are plenty of teaser options on Sunday. Carolina Panthers, I think, would be one of them as a home dog against Denver with a very low total. We have some low totals this week. So they would be one you'd want to look at. uh, Potentially, if you want to tease down a favorite, maybe Philadelphia. But I think... New England could be a good teaser leg here. I'm not ready to totally buy in. I'm willing to do it with a teaser with a low total of 42, even though I think this game could be a sneaky over because I think everybody's going to want to look and see what they did last week. Whereas New England scored three points until that punt return, that walk-off punt return against the Jets, and then Minnesota got held to three. So it's like bettors will bet what they see last. They'll bet their last impression, and they saw two low-scoring uh, teams last week. So, I lean to the over, actually, at 42, half, pretty much in the market. But I think this could be a decent teaser play simply because right now, New England, number one rated defense in DVOA. I think it's a little bit deceiving, though, based on the last two weeks because look at who you played. You played Zach Wilson, who just got benched today. Uh, and you know in New York and that's why I think you saw the movement toward New York that and plus Justin Fields obviously dealing with an injury as well so they held up uh, you know Zach Wilson and the Jets at three points and they also the previous week because they had a bye the week before that it was Sam Ellinger in his first start on the road against Bill Belichick that's not a recipe for success and uh, you know they sacked him I think like nine times and held him to three points so I think that number's a little deceiving but you know bill bill belichick pretty good on short rest in his career so i think a teaser up to eight and a half if you find yourself a dance partner that's certainly the way that i have went here i i did not go ahead and take the two and a half as of yet
4: you like teasing a total down to 36 as well
3: i don't like teasing totals period Mm -hmm. But, but, but that's just me you know everybody it's to each their own but I just think there's so much variance to be honest with you. So that's why I don't usually like to tease totals and I don't like to tease college football either. I don't like to tease basketball. I'd like to stick kind of with the NFL and, and even hitting NFL teasers, even through the key numbers of three and seven, those Stanford wall teasers are not easy You know, they're not easy to get there. They're just not giving you free money on these things. So, I don't necessarily like teasing the total. I think if you like New England on a teaser, you've got enough dance partners on Sunday. You've got enough. You know, I think Tennessee is going to be a very popular teaser leg against Cincinnati because it's like, okay, this is the revenge game for the team that knocked us out of the playoffs. Home underdog who's covered eight in a row. Tennessee is going to be in like every teaser out here on Sunday. Yeah, it's
4: an interesting matchup because as you mentioned, we're going to learn a lot about both teams. I mean, you look at Minnesota. They're better on offense than anybody in New England's played in a while. Dallas right. Cook's having a really good year. Justin Jefferson is better than any of the wide receivers that play for the New York Jets. At the same time, the Patriots are going against the Minnesota defense. And listen, three of their last four games, they've given up 26, 30, and 40. Mm-hmm. So this is not an elite defensive unit there in Minnesota. So I think this could be a game that we see easily get into the mid-40s. So I'm with you on thinking that it's an overplay. Yeah. I'm interested to see – New England's run game, can they dominate to a level where that play action pass can create some explosive plays? Like, when you watch the New England Patriots, they look like a team that's being coordinated by a defensive guy. Yes. And he's calling offensive plays. Like, that's what they Mm -hmm. look like, and that's actually what's going on. Don't forget Matt Patricia, who's never called offensive plays in his life, has always been on the other side of the football is this year's offensive coordinator. So I can understand why they're struggling. I can understand why Mac Jones is struggling. Some kind of way they're finding a way to win. I think that ends tomorrow. I think Minnesota wins this game, but I do think it's a game that ends up in the mid-40s from a total standpoint. Yeah,
3: yeah, I'm going to be interested, too, to see what Minnesota actually does in terms of their offensive game plan because uh, Christian Derisaw, the uh, first-round pick of a couple years ago out of Virginia Tech, really good young left tackle for Minnesota. He left the game with injury again in concussion protocol. Doesn't look like he is going to go on a short week that he is going to be cleared. So, look, after that pass rush last week, and New England's got a very good pass rush in their own right. So, this has yeah, got to be.
4: Yeah, is playing light south. Yeah,
3: absolutely. This has got to be in and out you know for Kirk Cousins this can't be okay I'm going to take a five-step drop and I can survey the field and, you know look at my second my third read this has got to be in and out and quick passing game and that's what I think you're going to see uh, Minnesota and Kevin O'Connell and uh, Wes Phillips approach that
4: yeah New England's been really good on special teams too I wouldn't be surprised if we get some kind of explosive play yeah certainly Maybe not a cer- certainly did at the end of the game right, after when you took three and a half field, yeah and, and I, I actually I'm 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 buying what you're cooking over there. I think you, you might be able to prepare the whole Thanksgiving meal. I like the over in this game. I'm leaning towards that. Uh, I would not be yeah, surprised but, to see this be a 28-24 well, kind of yeah, game. Yeah,
3: and it's one of those weird games. And, look, primetime unders have actually been, you know, the kind of the flavor of the month here. It's usually betters like to bet those overs, and they put these primetime games there for a reason because they think they're going to be points. But we've seen a lot more unders this year in the Thursday night, especially on the Thursday night in the uh, – the Monday night football and the Sunday night football and all that stuff. But I do think that this could be a little bit of a sneaky over because when betters are seeing, okay, New England really scored three points, even though they got that punt return at the end and Minnesota really only scored three points. So, you know, 42 and a half, they're willing to take that under and uh, I'm willing to uh, go against the grain here and go over. What's your take
4: on this Vikings team? Let's talk big picture. Are they a threat in the NFC uh, a lot has been made about Kirk Cousins. Statistically, he's having actually one of his down, mm-hmm. 14 touchdowns. He's turned it over a lot, thrown eight interceptions already at this point in the season. Are they a team, even though their record says that they're a contender, are they a legit contender in the NFC?
3: Uh, my answer right now, I hate to, to be like this and you know kind of split the middle and be noncommittal. My answer is I don't know. Now, this was a team that you know I went ahead and – Bet in terms of to win the NFC North, and I think they're gonna do that. I bet their overseason wins. I even took a long shot with them. I was high on them this uh this summer, took a Super Bowl long shot with them. But if you look at how they've played, they've been life and death in a lot of these games. They were they were down ten at home against Detroit, found a way. They were down with two minutes left to go against the Bears, found a way. They were down ten in the fourth quarter at the Commanders, somehow found a way. You know, and you wanna say, okay, you make your own breaks to a degree. But also to a degree, you get a little bit lucky, and I think Minnesota has been a little bit lucky, and, and that's why you're seeing the fact that they got exposed last week. And you know, there were people saying, "Oh, Minnesota at eight and one is a home underdog, too good to be true." Oddsmakers were telling you who the winner of that game was going to be. I think that they had Dallas power rated higher. I certainly do. So I'm looking towards sure.
4: Patriots money line. I think Minnesota's a dressed up version of the Giants. Mm-hmm. When you look at their results the process to get to those results is not sustainable.
3: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they haven't been just rolling teams like some of these other teams with these high records in the league.
4: Well, we have. We're going to continue to roll along the day again. A Wednesday pre-Thanksgiving edition of VEASAN Primetime. I'm Sean King. That's Wes Reynolds filling in for Tim Murray. See you on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere.
0: I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather. Now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
5: VDW Group. No purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
4: This is
3: v Prime Primetime with Tim Murray and Sean King on v the sports
5: betting network.
3: You don't have to wait until after Turkey Day to score a Black Friday deal with v New VSIN Pro annual subscribers get a $30 credit to the VSIN store. And with VSIN Pro access, you get a daily recap of the top plays made by VSIN show hosts and guests. Tools like our betting splits that let you see where the money and bets are moving every game. Deep dive daily betting reports, plus our upcoming College Bowl and Super Bowl betting guides. You can also still get that World Cup betting guide, which is up there at vsin.com. The VSIN store is a great place to shop for VSIN sports betting hats, shirts, mugs and other great gear hurry this is a limited time black friday offer so sign up for the perfect sports betting holiday gift at vson.com slash subscribe that's vson.com slash subscribe
4: welcome back to a wednesday pre-thanksgiving edition of vson prime time i'm sean king joined today by Wes reynolds you can find him on vson live bet from six to nine pacific monday through friday him and his co-host femi abeba fey do a great job also One segment away, don't turn that dial, one segment away from the daughter of former New Orleans Saints head coach, Sean Payton. Megan Payton going to join us as a guest today. She's a betting analyst for Wager Talk. We're going to talk a little National Football League with Megan and see who she likes tomorrow and on Sunday. But we're going to switch gears a little bit here, go to some college because it's a big weekend in college football. A lot of rivalry games, but also some massive College football playoff, college football games, and we're gonna start right there in the horseshoe in Columbus. I know it's tradition, but I have no idea why do they play this game at noon Eastern. This should be a day of hydration for both fan bases. Mm-hmm. This should be a seven thirty Eastern kick, but they're gonna kick it at noon. So out here on the West Coast, we get some nine a.m. big time ball to look at. The line open, I think, at eight and a half. It now sits at seven and a half. Looks like some Michigan money has come in. A lot of injuries surrounding this game. Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards, the first and second string running back from Michigan, both battling with injuries. Edwards missed the Illinois game. Corum got hurt in the Illinois game. If they are not full speed, How much does that adjust how you're going to approach wagering on Michigan versus Ohio State, who, by the way, has a significant injury as well. Jackson Smith and Jigba has Mm -hmm. battled injuries all season, didn't play in their last game as well. How are you approaching this game? First of all, everybody being healthy, Wes. Secondly, if game time comes and we don't get Corm and Edwards or one.
3: Yeah, I I have not bet this game as of yet. And look, I may just watch it and stay out of it because I think that the number is probably right. And it's been beaten into place. You know, the game of the year numbers, of course, over the summer, haven't seen a huge adjustment in terms of based on uh, what it opened as. But I do worry, you know, if Corum and and, and or Edwards are going to be out because that's how Michigan beat Ohio State last year. They went and played old-school Bo Beckler, 1980s Michigan football. Of course, that's where Jim Harbaugh was the quarterback uh, at Michigan in, in the uh, 1980s. So, that's what they did. I mean, they they totally, you know, I'm going to make up a word here, out physical Ohio State, basically, at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. So, you know, that's – you got to think what they want to do again. Both teams kind of off a little mini-scare last week, especially Michigan. They were off a real scare against Illinois, but – I don't really necessarily discount that because Illinois obviously had a lot to play for trying to maintain their positioning for the Big Ten West race and get to that Big Ten title game down at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. But Illinois also is a really tough team to get margin on. And, you know, Michigan just wasn't able to do it. Meanwhile, Ohio State... You know, it led Maryland throughout, but never really could get away from them on the road. And Maryland has played them tough. I mean, we remember back in, uh, I think it was 2019 when DJ Durkin was the coach uh, and they went for two at the end, didn't get it, ended up losing by one to uh, Urban Meyer. So, you know, I, I look at Michigan and they're the more physical team, I still think, even though Jim Knowles has come in, the defensive coordinator from Oklahoma State. And I think the Buckeyes have been better. Defensively, certainly where they were, you don't see them, you know, out of position all the time. You see them, you know, wrapping up on tackles and not taking as many poor angles as they did last year. But you know, I'm looking at this and I, I lean Michigan. If you made me and say, okay, you got to pick one side, I would lean Michigan here just because I think that's a lot of points. I mean, when when in doubt, and you got a matchup of top four teams, which you have in the college football playoff, two hosts and three. When in doubt, you take the underdog because there's not much separation, but I haven't done anything with this. I don't know. Have you, Sean?
4: Uh, absolutely. Ohio State by two two plus touchdowns. Okay. And, and here's why. Ryan Day had this game circled. I, I mean, he knows no matter what he does at Ohio State, he can't lose to Michigan. Ohio State has dominated this series when you look in the recent past. And there's a reason that he made a change of D coordinator coming off a of year where they were, what, 12 and 1? Mm-hmm. He went and got Jim Knowles from Oklahoma State because he said, listen, what happened last year? Won't ever happen again. And I was kind of teetering on, do I take Michigan in the points? But then guess what I did? Saturday at noon in Columbus, Ohio West. It's going to be 52 degrees and sunny. Mm -hmm. Guess what happened last year? It was a snowstorm. Yeah, it was cold. What's the worst thing for a passing attack that relies on throwing the ball? A snowstorm. Bad footing, bad vision. Can't really operate throwing the football around. Well, they get none of that this year. They won't have the crowd noise because they're at home. I don't think Michigan's played anything close to what they're going to be Mm -hmm. exposed to this Saturday. I think Ohio State plays a back-and-forth game maybe in the first half. They pull away late. Too many athletes, too much talent. I just think Ohio State finds a way to win this game by margin. I am high on the Buckeyes.
3: Yeah, and and look, uh, even though they're number two, it's kind of like they've been a little bit ignored because we haven't seen a lot of change up at the top of the college football playoffs. So it's like, okay, there goes Ohio State. You know, nobody in the Big Ten can really challenge this team except for maybe the Michigan Wolverines. And we know how bad the West is. Like, nobody's going to, if they win this game, nobody's going to challenge them in the Big Ten title game. I mean, maybe Purdue can throw the ball on them if Purdue goes ahead and makes it out. But Ohio State's going to be like damn near a four touchdown favorite, if not more, in a Big Ten title game. So I haven't decided what I'm going to do yet. You made very good points, by the way, on the weather, you know, faster track, less inclement conditions. That does favor Ohio State. I think Michigan kind of needs this to be a slog. Yeah, they
4: need it to be the same kind of game it was last year where they can run the ball, play defense, play field position. Hopefully, C.J. Stroud turns the ball a couple times, gives them a short field. I just don't see any of that happening. C.J. Stroud understands there's a lot of momentum behind Caleb Williams right now to win the Heisman. No matter what Caleb Williams does, if C.J. Stroud goes out and has a big game versus Michigan, a defense that nobody's put up points on this entire year, I think he stamps himself as the Heisman favorite. Uh, that's just my opinion. Uh, we'll see what happens. I will say this, though. Uh, another way to look at this game, and this is college football playoff dependent. This has to be an exciting, entertaining, down-to-the-wire game for the loser to mm-hmm. have any chance to make well, the college football well, playoff.
3: Well, I'll interject here, and I'll say if Michigan loses, they have zero chance. If Even if it's a opinion.
4: 42 40 game where Ohio State kicks a field goal to win it. It's back and forth. J.J. McCarthy's making plays. They're going score for score. SC loses. Now you got TCU, mm-hmm. Georgia, Ohio State. Now Michigan's battling with a two-loss that, USC team.
3: That's a lot. That, that is a lot to happen. It's a fair point, but that's a lot to happen. And then the reason why I say no on Michigan that non-conference schedule is going to catch up with them.
4: Well, that's a Big Ten thing, though. Who in the Big Ten plays well, a tough non Well, and Hardly I, no one.
3: Well, and I know that Michigan, I know that this is made, you know, years in advance, but you get a Colorado State team that's absolutely rebuilding, a Hawaii team that's rebuilding, a UConn team that somehow got bowl eligible, but nevertheless, you know, they can't even throw the football, for God's sakes, and yet they're going to a bowl game. But those were their three non-conference opponents. Ohio State still does that have that win over Notre Dame. And, you know, that's kind of like their little ace in the hole here. So, I think Ohio State, if they lose, has a better chance of staying in the top four than Michigan would. Michigan kind of needs a lot to happen that you brought up there. Are a lot of things that could happen, but it's like drawn into an inside straight in poker. And then that's what I think Michigan is going to have to do here if they lose.
4: Well, another game that's happening, and they nicknamed this one the Egg Bowl. It's going on down mm-hmm. in Stark. Oh, it's in Oxford, right? Yes. It's in Oxford. Yep. Yeah, a lot of People, I've heard it myself. I actually tweeted it out. You can follow me at Real King on Twitter. Lane Kiffin, last game as head coach, is of it his Mississippi? Last game, you think? Will be Friday. He's going to Auburn. But I also got this, Wes. I don't know if you follow me on Twitter, but I got a little birdie to hit up the King Hotmail and said, "This is also Mike Leach's last game as head coach of the Mississippi State Bulldogs, and he's going to retire." after
3: friday I, I have heard that rumor as well
4: you see this game sits old miss minus two and a half you've watched these teams play does the coaches leave and we got about 50 seconds left before break does it factor into the game the outcome of this game
3: i think it certainly has to i mean obviously both these teams are going to go to some kind of bowl game but you know no new year's six shot for really either of these two teams but uh I'm interested a little bit, you know, do you play one? If you know this is Leach's last game, do you win one for the Gipper here? You know, in terms of Leach, you know, recruited most of these guys to Starkville. Whereas does Ole Miss kind of feel like, hey, man, you're abandoning us for Auburn, you know, where we think we're on the same level as Auburn, that you're going to abandon us. So uh, here's what I'm looking for. And
4: I got to see if you can help me find it. Is there a prop about how many times Mississippi State will punt? Because I promise you this, this is Leach's last game. Mm -hmm. He's going for it on fourth down from start to finish. I'm actually kind of excited to watch this game happen. As I mentioned earlier, Megan Payton, daughter of former New Orleans Saints head coach Sean Payton, now a bet analyst for Wager Talk, will be here to talk some NFL on the other side of the break. Don't move.
3: John King on VSN, the sports betting network. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit VSN.com to check the current betting splits data. Want to know where the money and the bets are moving every game? The betting splits page is updated with DraftKings odds every 10 minutes, so you can see changes in all the action. Find out where the public is betting based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. You can check out not just today's action, but future events as well. Betting splits are another way. VSIN is here to make you a smarter, better year round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at vsin.com. That is VSIN.com. Back here on Visa Prime Primetime on a Wednesday night before Thanksgiving, Wes Reynolds and Sean King up here on the desk. And uh, we're going to uh, welcome in our next guest. Uh, she is a wager talk betting analyst, uh, Megan Payton, who you can hit on the tweets at Megan Payton and the number seven on Twitter. Megan, how are you tonight?
5: I'm great. Thank you both for having me on. Happy early Thanksgiving. We've got a fun slate of Thursday games, so I'm excited to break it down with you guys.
3: Yeah, we absolutely do. So uh, let's go ahead and get started with the uh, opener on our menu tomorrow. As the usual customary spot, that is the Detroit Lions at home up in Ford Field. They are hosting the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo Bills' second straight game in Detroit because, of course, they went and played Cleveland. Uh, uh, Nine and a half now. The tens have disappeared a little bit on Buffalo and Detroit, but the total has been getting hit uh, pretty high, about 54 and a half in the market. Anything you on the early one, Megan, Bills and Lions.
5: Well, first, this is going to be a great game. This is going to be probably our most highly powered offensive game with a 54 and a half total. I like that the line's moving a little bit more in the Lions' favor because those double-digit numbers haven't been covering much. So right now at the nine and a half mark, I'm actually still going to. Probably bet on Lions here, but I'm going to more so target some prop bets. I'm looking at wide receiver Gabe Davis over 54 and a half receiving yards. Davis has been a hard player to bet on given the fact that he's been so back and forth this season, but he's had some two powerful games. He's hit the over in both of those games. And when you think of Gabe Davis, he's the definition of a big play threat guy. He's had just under 23 yards per reception. If there's a game that he's gonna have a big day on, it's gonna be Thanksgiving against the Lions. Both of these offenses are gonna be putting up points. So I'm looking at over 54 and a half receiving yards for Gabe Davis. And on the Lions side of things, How about running back Jamal Williams? Man, did he have a good game last week against the Giants. I'm going to go anytime touchdown for Williams. Now, I'm not the only one that's betting on this. That's why we're going to see this line at minus 120, but it is a gimme here. He had three rushing touchdowns last week. And if you're Dan Campbell, you're going into this week saying what worked Versus the Giants. That's what we got to do up against a Bills team that is stronger than the stronger team in New York will say. So I'm going to go uh, running back Jamal Williams, anytime touchdown and wide receiver Gabe Davis over 54 and a half receiving yards for Bills versus Lions.
4: I love the Gabe Davis play because Jeffrey Okuda, of course, is going to be on Stephon Diggs. Gabe has been a dynamic down the field threat for Buffalo. And Jamal Williams has the best touchdown dances, celebrations in the league. Let's just be honest. They're pretty <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I will say this. I have a question for you. What's going on, Megan, with DeAndre Swift? He was out with injury. He's come back the last two weeks under double-digit carries in both weeks. Is he not healthy? Is he in the doghouse? Do you have any information on what's going on with Mr. Swift?
5: It's hard when you're dealing with running backs. They are so week to week. So I tend to bet more on receivers due to the injuries due to just sometimes you can have a hot game. And that might have been the case with Jamal Williams. But because it was such a strong performance, that's what makes me lean a little bit more to just the anytime touchdown for him. DeAndre Swift is still an amazing back. And the Lions, for them to be successful, have a one-two punch with Williams and Swift. That's the best case scenario. I think we'll see a better performance out of him this week. but again. It's a fight for your job. Maybe Jamal Williams comes out stronger and he ends up being that number one back for Lions.
3: Megan, uh, second of three games tomorrow in the customer customary late afternoon spot. Right a- right after we've had all our trip to fan and we're trying to t- stay a week, Awake, rather, for the second half. That is the uh, New York Giants and the Dallas Cowboys. Big move here. This was six and a half on the look ahead last week, and then the Giants leg and egg against the Lions. Dallas won probably the most dominant performance of any team in any game this year, 40-3 to over Minnesota. This did go to 10. There were some 10 and a halves uh, out there at the start of our show, but they have disappeared. Now back down to 10. Giants and Cowboys battle of seven and three teams.
5: Well, this is a big game. It's always a big Thanksgiving game. Uh, Cowboys are 7-0 and the last uh, seven times they've played. And look, the Cowboys coming off the best win of the season by far. How do you kind of bring down that team, though? Sometimes you're going, going with that hype, a 40-3 win. That's a little bit hard to kind of humble your players. Meanwhile, the Giants are upset about their loss to the Lions. I like the Cowboys to win this game. I think the Giants, if we can get it at the 10 mark, could cover that spread. But a couple props that I'm eyeing, tight end Dalton Schultz, over 37 and a half receiving yards. Look, he didn't hit over this uh, this number last week, but that was partly due to the fact that the game was over by the third quarter. He's looking like the tight end that we saw in 2021. He had a career high last year in every statistical measure and is starting to come back. He's been the second most targeted player for the Cowboys ever since Dak returned. And he's hit over three or four games. I like Schultz to have a bigger game because guess what? It's not going to be a game like it was last week against Minnesota. The Cowboys are going to have to stay in it a little bit longer. They're going to have to rely a little bit more on the receiving game. So I'm going to take tight end Dalton Schultz over 37 and a half receiving yards. But I am going to stick with uh, Ezekiel Elliott here. I know everyone's talking about Tony Pollard and everything that he can do, which is great. But you can get an anytime touchdown for running back Ezekiel Elliott at plus 115. It's a fantastic situation for the Cowboys. They're talking right now, who's this number one player? It doesn't matter because they are both explosive. And no, Ezekiel Elliott might not be having those over 100 rushing yards each game like he did in the past, but they're still going to use him on the goal line. So say Tony Pollard gets you 80% there, then you've got Ezekiel Elliott to go run it in for a touchdown. Plus one to 15 is a good number for me, so I'm going to take any time touchdown for Zeke.
4: Anything on the Giants' side that interest you at all. I mean, you talk about a team decimated by injuries. Sterling Shepard's out. Wondell Robinson's out. uh, Kenny Galladay's there. I don't think they like him. I know he doesn't like them. Like, somebody's got to be the beneficiary, right, of all these absences. Last week, I had Darius Slayton over, I think it was 43-and-a-half versus the Lions. If anybody has success on this Giants offense, any opinion whatsoever who that might be?
5: See, I was riding Saquon Barkley over for like six weeks in a row and it started to kind of get tricky. The Giants are weird because... I was very surprised at what happened last week. So typically when you see, you know, an underperforming team, then following week, I shy a little bit away from that because you want to see if it was a one-off or if that's going to be more consistent play from them. I was looking at the under passing yards for Daniel Jones just due to all of the wide receiver injuries, but I don't feel too confident enough in either of those player props. If anything, Giants, I'd I'd bet them to cover the 10-point spread.
3: Megan in the uh, nightcap tomorrow, the Patriots and the Vikings. Uh, I know you're into the props, uh, but maybe slim pickings if you're basing on what we saw last week, of course, with the uh, Patriots essentially scoring three points, even though they did go ahead and get that uh, late uh, walk off punt and return touchdown against the Jets. And then the Minnesota Vikings got held to three at home last week. So where are we going with the uh, Pats and the Vikings in the nightcap tomorrow?
5: I mean, this is a tough game to bet on. You're talking about a Vikings team that put up three points against the Cowboys, and you're talking about a Patriots team that only had three points until the very end of the game with the special team's touchdown. One thing, though, is the Vikings haven't been doing well against tough defenses. They lost to the Eagles. They lost to the Cowboys. Are we going to see that reoccurring against the Patriots defense under Bill Belichick, one of the best in the league? I'm going to look away from Vikings right now because... I was buying in on Minnesota. I thought that they could beat Dallas last week. I still think that they're a good team, and I still think that they can come up with the win here against the Patriots. But a player specifically with New England that I'm looking at is running back Ramondre Stevenson. I'm going to go over three and a half receptions for him. Look, this isn't saying much for a Patriots offense that's not doing well, but he's a running back and he has the second most receptions on this New England team. He's hit over this in four of five games. And this year, we're seeing a lot more receiving production um, out of Ramondre Stevenson. So if there's any player prop that I'm going with, it's going to be Stevenson. I've also had uh, some, some good bets with him just taking the over on his rushing yards. He's been a solid player for this New England offense that is struggling.
4: Yeah, Megan, this is a tough game for me as a former NFL quarterback. It pains me. That if me and Mac Jones are at a bar together, he can say he is a Pro Bowl (laughs) NFL quarterback. This has bugged me to no end. I don't want to be a hater, and I wish him all the best, but I'm with you. You Look at this game. You don't know who's going to break out. And Let's take a shot at something because one of the best is really, really popular, but it's really hard to hit is first touchdown of the game. Give me one player from each side. If this game has any touchdowns, I might take the no touchdown prop. But uh, give me one player from each side, and maybe we can hit it big on Thanksgiving and pay for all this food.
5: Well, we've got to go Justin Jefferson for the Vikings. I mean, come on, he first of all, he's my number one receiver on fantasy. So I like that just for my own good. I'm not betting on it, but I do like that. And Justin Jefferson, you know, we're not seeing we're kind of seeing week to week production on him, but when he's good, he's great. I still think that he's a top two receiver in the NFL. So if we're gonna take a Vikings first touchdown, it's gonna be Justin Jefferson. If we're switching to the Patriots side, that's a little bit tougher. I might go Ramondre Stevenson. I mean, I am betting on him this week, and I think that there's a chance that if they are going to get any offensive movement going, it's going to be with him. Mac Jones loves throwing the ball to Ramondre Stevenson, and you kind of have like the best of both worlds, whether he gets in in a rushing form or he gets in in receiving. I don't care which one, but Stevenson's going to be my bet for first touchdown. I'm not betting on it, though, so don't take my word that way.
4: <laughs> Great stuff. Uh, appreciate you coming on the show. Betting Alice from Wager Talk, Megan Payton. You can follow her on Twitter at Megan. Peyton 7, listen, happy holidays. You enjoy your Thanksgiving and good luck with all your wages tomorrow. It's VCM prime time. We'll be back in a second. Don't you go anywhere.
0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.
3: This is v Primetime with Tim Murray and Sean King on v the sports betting network. Bet MGM, the king of sportsbooks, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with Bet MGM Rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM rewards points that you can redeem for online bonus credits like free bets. It's never been easier to join the action on the new BetMGM app, featuring a fresh redesign with improved features and quicker navigation. Planning a trip to Las Vegas? You can convert your BetMGM points into MGM rewards points that you can use towards dining, shows, hotel rooms at over 20 MGM resorts located on the Las Vegas Strip and nationwide. BetMGM Rewards is Sports Betting's premier loyalty program, including exclusive offers, incredible experiences, and valuable perks when you wager with BetMGM. So sign up with BetMGM or log in today to take advantage of BetMGM Rewards. Eligibility restrictions apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Back here on Visa Prime Primetime, Wes Reynolds with Sean King as we are going through the uh, NFL Thanksgiving card and then also the uh, rivalry weekend here with college football. I know uh, we talked about Michigan and Ohio State, the game there in Columbus. Sean's on record saying Buckeyes by uh, by two touchdowns. Yeah, at right? least
4: two touchdowns. Two touchdowns. I, I think this one could get out of hand. I think Ohio State proves a point. I think they
3: are the team that
4: feels like They've been overlooked. Mm-hmm. So much conversation this year about Georgia. Then it shifted to Tennessee. None of it's been about Ohio mm-hmm. State. Like, they've kind of been like – Just kind of been rolling yeah, along. Yeah, they're cruising. It's the Daytona 500. They're mm-hmm. sitting in six or seven, saving gas, getting be- great be- gas mileage, and all of a sudden – it's a sprint yeah. over the last fifty laps, and Put, now they're winning the race. So. Putting
3: together sea efforts and yeah. still covering against my Indiana Hoosiers. Uh, so yeah, be- beating up on the little sisters there in the Big Ten. And uh, maybe you're right. Maybe they got something in reserve. I have not bet this game as of I yet. feel the
4: same way about this game. I felt about Georgia Tennessee when mm-hmm. that name when that game first offered to us. Yeah. Everybody, oh, Tennessee, plus yeah, the Yeah, I, I, like, I was
3: with you on oh, the Oh, we got to take that. Uh-huh. because
4: Georgia the, seems like the right you know. side. I feel the same way about this game.
3: Well, sometimes you get into these rivalries, and that's what I called the Georgia-Tennessee. It was kind of like Johnny come lately versus Johnny been here. Right. And Johnny been here was the Georgia Bulldogs. And, you know, that game, even though they only won by 14 – it was like a 21 or 21 four point game. So uh, we'll see if that happens with the uh, Ohio state Buckeyes. Uh, Sean, let's get to one though. That is near and dear to your heart. I know you were not betting this game, but you are going to be watching with a very vested interest. That is the two lane green wave uh, going up to Nippert stadium to play the Cincinnati bearcats. Uh, Bearcats minus one, uh, questionable in terms of, of the quarterback. If Ben Bryan is going to go, it was Evan Prater that pretty much went the duration in their uh, big win over Temple last weekend. But Tulane, the, you know, the line's adjusted a little bit downward toward Willie Fritz in the green wave, plus one, 46 and a half. You can lay Cincy on the money line at minus 120, even money on the wave. Sean, I know you're not going to have dollars on this game, but you're going to have emotion on this game. Break it down for us.
4: Well, here's what I'm happy about. I'm happy that the line opened at Cincy minus three. It's down to Cincy minus one. The line is telling me Mm -hmm. that my guys are live. And the one thing I know about this Tulane team, the defense will travel. Mm -hmm. We went to Manhattan, Kansas, a Kansas State team, by the way, that's going to be in the Big 12 championship game and completely shut them down. So I'm expecting that same kind of performance this weekend versus Cincinnati. It's a win and you're in. And not only are you in, but you're hosting the American Athletic Conference title game. So a lot on the line. Uh, We do have a dynamic player at Michael Pratt who can not be inconsistent at times. But if I get his A game, there's no doubt in my mind that we are going to go in what is a really hostile environment. As a former coach at the University of South Florida, I've played at Cincinnati in big games. The fans are right on the field. You literally can walk off the visiting bench and and go and grab some Kool-Aid from somebody sitting right there in the front Mm -hmm. row. But I think we're ready. I think this Tulane team is mature enough, mentally tough enough to go into Nippert Stadium and win this game. So I'm rolling with the green wave to get it done. Great job by Willie Fritz this year. But nobody will remember if we don't finish the race. So we've ran a great race. Yeah. Have to finish it. Love to get the AAC championship game down in Tulane in New Orleans next week at Yulman Stadium. Only way that happens is if we handle our business. I think Tulane gets it done. I don't think it matter who starts at quarterback for Cincinnati,
3: I'm with you on the wave. I think they win this, and Cincinnati's kind of been a team that, even though they're nine and two, they haven't been good against the number because I think that they were a little bit overpriced coming into the season. I I faded them against their uh, against Miami of Ohio. Uh, Indiana, even though they beat them by 21 and covered, Cincinnati, if you watch that game, did nothing in the second half against Indiana. Uh, They were close against Tulsa. South Florida, who now has uh, terminated their head coach, Jeff Scott. South Florida covered and even had a chance at the end to win the game at Cincinnati, and they were getting over three touchdowns. Cincinnati barely gets by uh, SMU on the road. They do lose to UCF. UCF made a nice uh, comeback. UCF, by the way, if they beat USF, they will have one of the spots in that American Which is title
4: ironic, game. as you mentioned, the UCF game. That's probably the only game since he should have won.
3: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly, because Cincinnati, look, uh, Navy was in the number the whole time. East Carolina covered against them. Cincinnati did cover against Temple, but it was a slog for them to cover. I watched a little bit of that game. And uh, Prater, their backup quarterback, uh, a good runner but not the passer that Ben Bryan is. And 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 I just – something's been a little bit off on that Cincy team. And I think when you accomplish what they accomplished last year getting in the college football playoff, where can you go above that except maybe win a national championship, which is hard to do in, in a group of five. But, yeah, I'm with you. I, I think the wave or the right side here. I'll say this
4: about Luke Fickle. Hats off to him. When you graduate guys like Sauce Gardner mm-hmm. um, and, and the crew that they graduated and you still sit at nine and two – I mean, you've developed and created a heck of a college football program. I will say this. We don't really get access to college football player props, but where you are, you might. Here's a prop for you in this game. Tajay Spears, the running back from Tulane, has gone over 100 yards rushing in every game since October 15th. So that's five games in a row. You can find college football player props. Maybe you want to take Tajay Spears over his rushing total.
3: Yeah, that, that is something I wish uh, out here in Nevada know, right? where we are would do a little bit more oh. of, a little bit more of the prop market, you know, improve the in-game product and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, college props is like something I have never really gotten into for, co- for, for college football because I think it gets so overwhelming with the amount of games that you just have on a weekend card that it's hard to do, but if you can concentrate on that market, you know, don't feel like you have to do the normal stuff. Be, be, you know, be willing to kind of be a specialist. We could use that as actually as one of our pro tips for the program is, uh, you know, bet the props. If that's what you do better, don't feel like you have to bet side and total necessarily on all these games. If you're a prop person like we had Megan Payton on in the last segment, she's concentrating more on the prop market necessarily than sides or totals because look, beating the 11 to 10 in the NFL and college football and also basketball for that matter is not easy. It's not easy. You got to find where your advantages are going to be, and if your advantages are in the prop market, the check cash is the same, Sean. Yeah, <laughs> the money spends the same. Hey, so listen, do what you do best.
4: The only way the ticket doesn't cash is if you didn't get the right sides. So right, I'm with you. Right. And whether it's a prop, whether it's an alternate, yeah. Whether it's in game, I'm with you. Find I, what you're comfortable with, what you think you're really good at, and just go full speed I was uh
3: t- we were talking uh when uh, producer jason Kahn who will be uh part of the next show uh here on visa in six and nine pacific jason is an nba better and you know we were just kind of talking about nba betting and i was like you know what i've done more this year i've done more nba props like player props because i think that those have been better for me necessarily than trying to guess and bet pre-flop it's like okay who's playing the night who's not playing who's getting a load management you know when you're trying to figure out the clippers how the hell do you figure it out? It's like, I know Kawhi is not going to play because he hardly ever plays. Yeah. But is Paul George going to play? And, you know, you have to really be anticipatory with that. And that's tough to do. So I think doing the prop market has been at least better for me in the NBA.
4: Here's what's great, too. Because most people have jobs. like They have stuff they have to do. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do the work. Just tune in to VEASAN mm-hmm. every day. And guess what? We do the information for you. And trust me, anything that I give, and I'm sure Wes is the same way. I know me and Tim on primetime. We pride ourselves on it. We show each other our tickets. We bet it as well. So, if you have college football player prop bets available where you're at, Tajay Spears, the two-lane running back over his rushing total. Both myself and Wes are leaning towards Detroit Lions in the NFL, plus the points. Uh, I'm leaning towards a big player prop in that game. Josh Allen over two-and-a-half Touchdown passes. I think it's plus two fifty. Mm-hmm. Now again, another Veasan pro tip is you should have multiple apps. Shop yes. around, find the best number because mm-hmm. some apps are going to give you better return on your investment than others, depending upon what it is that you're trying to wait on. But and, and, I love yeah. Josh Allen over the two and a half touchdown passes, and it's plus two fifty.
3: Yeah, my quarterback prop actually probably will come in the last game. I was just taking a look at this when Megan was talking. I was looking through these props. How about Kirk Cousins under 254 and a half passing yards? Uh, again, you can get this either at BetMGM, DraftKings. Kristen Derisaw, I mentioned the uh, left tackle from Virginia Tech, out for Minnesota against that Patriots pass rush that's number two in the league in pressure rate. I think Minnesota's got to go run heavy, or I think this is going to be a real short passing game for Kirk Cousins. He's not going to have a lot of time.
4: Absolutely. We got a short little period here before we have Derek Stevens on up. CEO of Circa here in Las Vegas, in studio next on the other side of the break. He's talking everything Circa Survivor.
0: If you dare.
1: Play.